0: Of gap Year Universe. I'm Julia Rogers,
1: and I'm Margot Brookfield. Welcome to Gap Year Radio, the show that brings you information and inspiration to plan a life-changing Gap Year adventure.
0: Welcome to the podcast. Today, we are so excited to welcome Claire Bennett. Claire is one of the four authors of the book, Learning Service, The Essential Guide to Volunteering Abroad. Claire also owns a training company in Nepal and works for Where There Be Dragons, a semester-long gap year program based in the U.S. In addition, she freelances as a development educational consultant, evaluating development projects, and is also a writer. So she does a lot. And I also have her book, I'm a big fan. Margo, tell us about your conversation with Claire. Absolutely. So I had such a wonderful time not only reading the book, Learning Service, which is sitting on my
1: desk here next to me. I read that before interviewing her, which was an incredibly informative piece of work. I mean, truly had so many different examples about their philosophy about learning service. But I also had the unique opportunity to chat with Claire about her perspectives on the many topics that are covered in the book, which was such a pleasure. Some of these topics include, obviously, international service, but also tying into that international aid and development, topics around volunteerism, and just other things that have come up in the international volunteering space that are good to be mindful of. So it is super clear from chatting with her that she has a deep passion for this work It has clearly kind of become her life's work. And that passion really did come through in everything that we discussed. So she does a great job at sharing some advice for travelers or the prospective gap year students out there, including things to look for in a service opportunity as well as things to look out for, such as things that might be the red flags or things that might not be good to participate in. And does a great job of just framing how service as an educational opportunity and really learning before stepping into a service engagement and how it really can be beneficial and is important for people to do, despite some of those nuances and challenges that might
0: come along with it. So really excited to be able to have her share these perspectives to the listeners out there. Yeah, I'm so excited to have Claire on. I've, she's come across my radar at conferences and obviously having her book and read her perspective, I think it's so valuable. And you know, one of the things that I've noticed when talking to students is that sometimes they they have kind of these binary perspectives on volunteering. Either they come to me and they're like so worried about it not being an ethical experience that they don't even know if they wanna volunteer or they are kind of scattering their seeds like so widely to all these things that they find online that could be super unethical that I have to kind of educate them myself as well. So I think that this is such a useful podcast episode for anybody who has those kinds of questions. What makes a good opportunity? What are some things to watch out for? And how can we reframe even this idea of service into that internal? educational tool that it can be and and probably should be at the forefront of how we look at it in the first place.
1: Definitely. And I think this has been such a hot topic issue in the last few years, especially as folks are kind of becoming more aware of the quote unquote volunteerism traps out there. And I think people are still kind of learning about what those look like and how to decipher what is a good volunteer opportunity and not a good volunteer opportunity. So I think this is a great place to start, you know, whether it is listening to this episode or reading her book. And I will just go ahead and put a little plug in for the next episode because Claire was so generous to put us in touch with two of her students who are currently on a program in India right now through the Princeton Novogratz Bridge Year program. And so as a follow-up to this, this is a two-part episode. We've got, you know, her perspectives and then some of her students' perspectives who are actively going through this learning right now. So it's just been a really enlightening and, and inspiring conversations to have with these folks
0: amazing I can't wait to hear it awesome well without further ado thank you for being here and let's get started
1: all right hello everyone and we are so excited to be welcoming Claire to the podcast today so welcome I'm so excited to be here thank you Margot So as we mentioned, Claire, wears a lot of different hats, which I can let you share with us a little bit more about all the various projects and work endeavors that you have involved yourself in, which are all incredibly inspiring. So I guess just to start, Claire, can you tell us a little bit more about your background and how that kind of led you to this work in, you know, international development or education and and learning service?
2: Yeah, sure. So I think, you know, basically, I'm a bit of a perpetual volunteer myself. Um, I didn't take a gap year, but I came to Nepal, which is where I'm actually um, talking to you from right now. So you can see the kind of impact that it had on me. Um, I came to Nepal where in my first year of university, so a similar age to a lot of gap year students. And I would say that I was not a um, volunteer that did a huge amount of research or learning before I came. I knew very little about Nepal. Um, I remember having to actually look it up on a map before I f- for sure knew where it was. Um, I assumed that I could teach English without having any training in doing that. Um, and I think I was mainly looking for an adventure and really only decided to volunteer because I somehow felt that some- coming to a country like Nepal, necessitated that you know I would have felt guilty if I I didn't do something to help Nepal because um, it's a pretty low resource country and you know it's um, I think the difference really with my life trajectory as opposed to a lot of like short-term volunteers is that I stayed for quite a long time and then I ended up coming back a lot and getting involved in a lot of different volunteer projects and development work and the more involved I got the more I realized um, how tricky and complex the field is, and the more I started seeing how a lot of kind of ill-considered volunteering was leading to you know in, in the the best sense kind of like misfired good intentions, but in a lot of the worst cases actual harm being done and so that sort of led into this sort of life of advocacy around this issue, which it does encompass like you say, this bigger picture of international development, which is, how do people from more privileged, more you know, high resourced countries help countries that are less resourced? And how do we offer things to the world without kind of imposing our desires and assumptions on other people?
1: Absolutely. I think the fact that you've continued to come back obviously is, is so inspiring and something that, as you mentioned, a lot of folks might not really have the ability to do in coming back and being able to revisit those experiences. And so what has brought you to now be time living in Nepal?
2: I've been in Nepal. I've been based from Nepal for quite a long time. Um, it's coming up to about 15 years, I think. And I've also lived in lots of other countries, mainly in Asia. I've lived in Cambodia for a few years where I was a long term volunteer. And I've more recently spent a year in Indonesia. But Nepal specifically is somewhere that where I feel that I left my heart a little bit. I do wonder if it really is just the fact that I came here. It's such a formative part of my life. I hadn't really travelled before I came to Nepal. And I just feel like I learned such a huge amount from the country, from the people, from the work that I started doing while I was here. And there's some kind of unquantifiable characteristic in Nepal that I just call magic. (laughs) But, you know, if it's not just me that feels it, um, you know, the fact that like I'm sitting right now and looking out my window and I can see white capped mountains surrounding, you know, the, the view. And um, yeah, there's something that's that's very peaceful and very welcoming about Nepal. And so that's ultimately what has kept me coming back.
1: I love that you say just kind of that magic or something majestic about a place. I know I mentioned to you, Nepal has been literally the top place in the world that I've wanted to visit since I was 16 years old. And it was something, you know, I read a book in high school and just totally was fascinated with the culture and the landscape and, you know, the history and all those things. So completely can see how you might just find yourself not being able to leave somewhere like that from all the things I've heard and read over the years.
2: (laughs) Well, I highly recommend it. um, And to all of the listeners as well. I mean, I I highly recommend travel and I cautiously recommend some forms of volunteering for some people, but I I sort of unreservedly recommend coming to Nepal.
1: course. So yes, to jump into kind of the the meat of what we're here to chat about, Claire has written this book, Learning Service, co-written with, with a few other writers and really digging into these topics of international volunteering with a very critical lens, which I think is, you know, from my personal experience, that's something I've always been really passionate about. So it was really exciting to see that, oh my gosh, there is this book that is diving into all of these topics that, you know, I think many of us in this realm find ourselves questioning or we're digging into. And so just, you know, what ultimately did connect you with your co-authors for this book Claire and brought this whole book experience to life
2: so it started actually when I was um, a volunteer in Cambodia and I had already at this point been quite involved in international development I had already I was a founder member of a nonprofit that was working in Nepal I went with the organisation VSO, which is, it's often compared to Peace Corps. It's kind of like the UK version of Peace Corps. Um, It's got some significant differences, but, you know, it's a lengthy professional volunteering placement. And while I was there, I had, I I was really beginning to see all the problems and pitfalls and harms that could be being done by maybe kind of unskillful volunteer work or and you know unthoughtful international development work and um i came across daniela Pappy thornton who became a dear friend of mine who was working in another organization uh, in cambodia and we had been trying to with our respective organizations tackle these issues and trying to raise awareness of these things and in cambodia at the time there was a real flood of international volunteers for coming for very short times and doing things that you know we could see were leading to corruption and exploitation and so at that point we started a like an online advocacy platform which was our website um, which is still there learningservice.info and we made some resources we made a little booklet of tips we had some cute little videos and we got quite a bit of attention for that Um, especially because you know it sounds quite controversial you know we're sort of saying you know stop you know don't volunteer like think about all of these issues first um, see how it can be causing harm and then you know what was sort of happening is that we were getting sort of media requests and people wanting us to give soundbite advice or you know list of your top 10 tips and we were giving that and then realizing that you know it, it wasn't including anywhere near as much of the nuance it wasn't you know including the the sort of research it wasn't taking into account a lot of the context and so we began to realize that what was needed was something you know quite a bit more detailed than what we were putting out as like our sort of in you know, our media feed and so that was the idea of of writing a book and we then came across joe collins and zahara heksha who um, had written a book previously about volunteering that was called How to Live Your Dreams of Volunteering Overseas. And they were saying that they felt that their book sorely needed an update because that had been a very sort of positive, go-getting kind of book, you know, also very thoughtful, also providing a lot of advice. But they were like, you know, we've just seen that there's a lot more um, critique of international volunteering coming up. And they'd written it around the turn of the millennium where you know, before the internet, really, before um, it became this sort of like mass tourism product, and before a lot of the harms, um, you know, the potential harms had become visible. So we joined forces of, you know, a team of four, and did some research, um, surveyed loads of volunteers, returned volunteers, current volunteers, volunteering organisations, hosting organizations people that had been part of volunteer projects and um came up with the philosophy of that you know we called learning service
1: incredible i'm just out of curiosity do you happen to know how many volunteers you did survey for the purposes of this book
2: um we surveyed them in in many different ways so i think we included the experiences of several hundred i would say like 400 600 volunteers so we had our own survey that that Um, got quite a lot of traction. There was actually two different surveys that we did. We did one earlier on in the book and then when we realised different questions we wanted to ask, we released another one um, and got totally different um, sets of volunteers through that. And then we also um, was in touch with a woman who had done her PhD on international volunteering. That's Erin Barnhart and she allowed us to use the raw data from her PhD. So we had access to a huge data set and you know we're extrapolating all of these um ideas and bits of advice and you know looked for commonalities and yeah and used so many of the stories as well in the book that was one of the major things that we really wanted was it didn't want we didn't want it to come across as like preachy or you know like we've been doing this for a long time and we're telling you what to do it was more like hey here it all these stories Here are, you know, the voices of all these people. And a lot of them were people saying, I wish I'd known this or here's how this went wrong. And I am, you know, I I feel so embarrassed about it or I feel like guilty or I should have learned this beforehand. And so in a way, it was a response to that. It's, It's saying, you know, the vast majority of the mistakes that we make when volunteering are things that have been done before and therefore are preventable. So and that was one of the motivations behind the book is saying, you know, it's not like we're saying anything that is new and groundbreaking that no one's heard before. It's actually like we're just getting these voices onto a different platform so that these stories are more accessible and so that people do have the chance to pause and listen to the advice and do volunteering in a more considered way.
1: Absolutely. I'm very excited to dig into some of those wish I would have knowns or, you know, some of those things that, you know, maybe we can pick some top advice to share here or, you know, or or whatever it may be. But I think before we really dig into that, I would love if you could maybe just share a little bit more. I know that in my many years of working in experiential education, it's often referred to as service learning. And I really love this reframing of learning service that you do with your book. And so just so that we can kind of set a framework of common language for anyone who's listening, do you mind just sharing a little bit more about that philosophy or why the switch in the name and what that signifies for the rest of the sort of philosophy behind it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think like you said, it is coming from this term service learning. And um, that term came out of you know previous terms that were used which was just like you know things like community service and I think in especially in academic settings or or, you know like when it's volunteering for young people who are you know students usually in their in the rest of their lives I think it was recognized that one of the main benefits that could come out of doing something like service was the learning and so that's you know the, the sort of origins behind having service learning as a term and you know I guess one of the things that we were seeing is that people were going um, and doing service and learning a whole lot. And, you know, a lot of these volunteers that we interviewed were saying, yeah, I learned so much, like way more than I could give. But, you know, I sort of learned it as I was doing it, or I learned it afterwards, and therefore I made mistakes. And so we, you know, one of the sort of key messages that we've been trying to get out in the book is that learning cannot be something that is like a byproduct of you doing service because it's too late at that point learning is something that you have to do before you can help and before you you know choose to go on a trip but it is also an integral part of the helping like we're sort of basically arguing that you can't really say that you're helping people if you haven't taken the time to learn first because that helping is not going to be effective and when we talk about you know, what kind of learning people need to do, there's the sort of things that I I guess people usually assume that we're going to talk about, which is, you know, learning about what kind of volunteer opportunities are out there and learning about the country that you're going to, which, which is important learning for sure. But we sort of take it several steps back, and we actually start the book and start the learning process with learning about yourself because every individual that comes to this, um, they're coming from very different backgrounds and contexts. And they are often coming with a whole load of assumptions about you know what the world needs and what they can do in the world and without unpacking that we just run the risk of our volunteering being you know us imposing our assumptions onto other people other people who often have less power than us to be able to to be able to prevent it or to be able to change you know what it is we're doing so you know we we advise volunteers to really start with questioning their ideas and their motivations and kind of deconstructing a little bit about you know how did you what have you learned about volunteering what have you what's your motivations behind this why do you think that you're good placed you know well placed to to be part of this you know how have you learned about this country how have you learned about development issues and what gaps do you probably have in your knowledge And, you know, understanding how your own identity might be a factor in um, how you show up as a volunteer. So, you know, taking apart all of this as a starting point for learning and then going through a process of learning. So, you know, we talk about learning about the context um, and in that we include the history, which we go right back to colonization, which is a really important um, element of um, you know why the world looks like it does, and why there are some people that have the privilege to be able to go to another country and you know volunteer, and you know how it's not possible in in most instances for the people that you volunteer with to be able to reciprocate and do that in you know return to the countries where the volunteers have come from. And then we look at the wider context of international development, you know like how countries relate to each other, how do richer countries, have an impact in and a stake in the trajectory of poorer countries and how are volunteers a part of that and how some of those processes might be things um, that you feel are you know do align very well with your own motivations and how some of them might not and therefore that will affect your choice in volunteering so basically the book is about Um, the kinds of learning that will inform service and how that will start way before you've even decided if you would like to do this kind of this travel in this way or take these kind of opportunities all the way up until you know how you might want to engage with volunteering in a way that um, keeps you open to learning and you know enhances your effectiveness over into how do you want to keep that spirit of both learning and service alive in your future you know that it's not something that you can sort of tick off and say well done you know I've done my three weeks of volunteering you know I'm a good person now I can sort of go back and live my life in the way that I want you know one thing that we found overwhelmingly in our um, research with volunteers is that they felt like they they couldn't do that you know they would um, return and actually find maybe like reintegration quite difficult or you know questioning some of the assumptions of their own society or looking at things like overdevelopment or mass consumption and being like you know I need to live in a different way or I need to embody the spirit of volunteerism or you know this idea of helping others throughout the life that I lead Um, and so it can be incredibly powerful Um, but I think you know one way in which we have one one of the reasons that we framed learning service in the way that we did is to kind of maximise that impact you know while you are overseas but also on that individual because we really believe that the power of an experience like that has the ability to affect the world in in an enormous way you know well into the future and into kind of all the things that that person is going to go on to do
1: I really love that kind of starting, as you mentioned, with reflecting inward, which I think is something that often as a volunteer or somebody heading abroad for this sort of an endeavor, the thought process might be that, oh, this is very selfless. I'm going to, you know, help or do good in the world and, you know, whatever those motivations might be. But to really reflect on that, as you said, of like, what are the motivations and what sort of, as you mentioned, power dynamics are involved in that and looking at the colonial history of a place and looking at international aid and development And what is the work that I think I'm going to be doing actually perpetuating or potentially what are the, you know, side effects of that that you might not see at the onset, but from the, you know, colorful brochure or website of a volunteer placement organization. And so I think all of those things are so key to really dig into and reflect upon, as you said, before you go abroad, before you maybe even picking somewhere that you're going in that context. So... Within that, too, I think with this context in mind, and again, I know that these are deep questions and hard to answer in any sort of concise way because it is such a nuanced and deep thing to really look into. But if you were to pick some of the main pieces of advice, you know, for thinking about a, a gapper who's looking at maybe an independent volunteer experience in some capacity where they're sort of trying to vet that on their own, you know, what are some of the things that you feel are common pitfalls or red flags to look into if they are looking for a volunteer experience?
2: Yeah, well, we certainly don't shy away from big, deep, nuanced questions in learning service. That is like, you know, our bread and butter, really. And and I think one of the main things is trying to raise awareness that it is big and complex and nuanced, because actually, there is, you know, a whole industry that has developed around volunteerism, which is, you know, selling volunteer opportunities as a, a tourist experience, that is sort of, in a way has been Um, doing the very the opposite of that has been trying to make it more simple and you know in a few clicks you can buy your ideal volunteer experience and you know without you know necessarily having a a matching process or without the volunteer needing to do very much preparation other than you know like pay some money on a credit card Um, so I think that is one of the main goals is like firstly recognize that if you do want to do some some volunteering, especially internationally, that this is a big decision, even if you're planning to go for a short time. And so we often have people say to us, you know, I really liked all the advice you gave in your book, but we don't really have time to do all of that. So, you know, can you just give me the, you know, the top key points that I need to do? And honestly, our answer is like, if you don't have time to do the necessary research and reflection, then you probably shouldn't be thinking about volunteering at this time you know, wait until you do have the time to do it. And there's nothing wrong with going to have a travel experience or, you know, to do some kind of uh, some kind of learning journey, or, you know, just tourism, sometimes people are really burned out. And that's what they need is to like just relax somewhere and spend your money ethically in a country. And that is also a really good way to to help. So in terms of the general advice that we give to people, I think it's, you know, it's it's looking at not necessarily in a, in a sort of black and white way of there are some good opportunities out there and there are bad ones and I just need to find the good ones because a lot of, of volunteers or potential volunteers will assume that there is like a some kind of list of good opportunities and bad opportunities and all they need to do is find the good ones. And the reality is that it is nowhere near as simple as that. Um, You know, one of the reasons that we say it's really important to start with yourself is that, um, you know, to some extent, whether an opportunity is good or bad can depend a lot on um, the motivations, the skills, the identities of the volunteer themselves. So if you can imagine an opportunity that is maybe appropriate and good for an 18 year old gap year student might be totally inappropriate and, and, and not a good fit for a 55 year old accountant that wants to volunteer for a year. So, you know, in general, we can talk about placements being a good match for an individual rather than good or bad. And so again, the advice that we give is for volunteers to really start with themselves and to understand their own motivations and what it is that they are looking for. And, you know, to also understand a little bit about what their own values are. And if you've, you know, do some learning about things like international development, which we really, really encourage that you do to start to see that um, there are loads of different modes of international development, it can come in loads of different forms. And um, there may be some parts of it that you really agree with, and some parts of it that you don't. And so starting in that way. And then obviously, I think there are sort of, you said red flags, which I think is a really good way to put it, of opportunities or organisations that might give you some pause i think you know one of the things to look for is the kind of images or language that is being used to describe these opportunities one of the things that we see a lot is the language of tourism and adventure um, being attached to volunteering opportunities which make really unrealistic expectations because effective volunteering that is helping people is often not particularly glamorous, it's it's often, you know, can be mundane tasks that you're doing to fill a need. And so that can lead to a lot of frustration, or, you know, like, basically, people not being helped, or, you know, actually causing a burden on an organisation, if that's what your expectations are. Um, and on the other end, you have the language and images of saviourism, of people uh, assuming that they can go to another country and make a difference, or change... The lives of people and and we would really warn people against those expectations too like firstly because you know if you read about international development you'll see the first thing is about how hugely complex it is to make any kind of change and secondly to really question about it you know if you are ending up making a change in other people's lives or other people's countries whether that is an appropriate thing for you to be doing you know we talk about the best volunteering as being the volunteer uh, who is supporting local people who are really the ones that are having agency and um, who are in the driving seat about what decisions are being made and what kind of development um, is appropriate and so volunteers that are sort of taking centre stage or assuming that their work is going to be critical to an organisation or being told that by an opportunity yes this would also be something that uh, we would warn people against. I think you know In looking at opportunities, you want to be looking at who is being catered for in the opportunity, like what kind of language is being used? Is it directed towards a volunteer who is doing some, uh, you know, is, is, is having an experience? Is it all about, you know, this is what the accommodation is like and these are the trips that you get to do and this is how, you know, amazing this country is or is it looking at a usually pretty complex development issue and saying what is needed and having specific niche roles that need to be filled and say and justifying why that can be filled by an outsider. And generally I think you'd be looking for transparency you'd be you know like able to ask a lot of questions and to feel like they've been answered thoroughly we have a whole tool on the learning service website of like a, like a matrix of questions that you might want to ask or questions that you might want to try and get answered um, and if you feel like those things are those things that are a little bit murky then that also can be a red flag
1: I feel like those have to be the sorts of things that you sort of feel in your gut, right? Like when you're asking those questions and something might not add up or it feels like things that you can just sort of pick up on in those senses. But I'm so glad to hear that you have a matrix tool. I'll be sure to link that in the show notes so that folks can utilize that as a a framework if they're asking these questions of a volunteer organization. That's awesome. And so again, I know this is a super loaded question, as all of these are. But I think having worked with students and been a a student on an educational program that had a service component, I think it's really easy to go from, especially if you're like, you know, I was sixteen abroad for the first time, right? And it's really easy to go from the feeling really optimistic and really, you know, feeling all of that goodwill and such when you're doing service in this capacity, and then having that flip to questioning everything, right, as you learn more, and if you're going through that sort of internal processing of the opportunities you've taken part in or whatever it may be. And I think it's really easy to get super down on like, is there even service that I can do that's in a different country from my home country that is good or that is mutually beneficial for the community I'm working with or the organization and myself? And so obviously, yes, with all of these tools and learning, there are those opportunities, but just curious your thoughts on like, how do you kind of grapple with that back and forth?
2: I mean, I grapple with that back and forth on a daily basis myself. Um, I, unfortunately, it doesn't really go away. Um, I think a lot of people again expect that, you know, you can interview someone that's written a book on this and I can be like, oh, now I've come up with all of the answers and it's this. (laughs) And unfortunately that's not true. Um, All of these things are really tricky and it is difficult to know sometimes about the balance of what am I getting out of this versus what am I able to give? And again, I think all of this comes down to, you know, the, the specific factors around your own volunteering. So honestly, if someone says, I want to go for a short time to volunteer, the advice I would give is to really put the sort of primary emphasis on your own learning rather than trying to expect that you can sort of, you know, quote unquote, do anything to help. And the reason for that is that, you know, if you if you rush in in a very short period of time, trying to like make a change, the chances are that whatever change you make will be something that hasn't been... Very well thought out or hasn't been um, led and directed by local people um, which are like you know usually fundamental for success and people do often feel very strange about saying well you know why am I going to a place in order to enhance my own learning and you know I think the the main thing that we say is that it doesn't sort of get you off the hook you know it's not like oh you can go and have a learning opportunity and then say like oh great you know I've done that now it's, it's, it's all part of this bigger process and this this sort of you know bigger commitment in your life about what are you going to do with that learning right and it and in in some ways it is a bit strange that we decide you know i'm gonna go off and make my impact in another country that is somewhere that i don't speak the language or know the culture or any of the context and that's going to be my contribution rather than thinking you know i'm going to go abroad and learn a ton of things and maybe deepen my understanding of an issue that I'm interested in, or that I have some passion to solve, and then, you know, work out what to do with all of that later. So that's generally what we advise people to do if they have a short period of time. Um, And if they have a longer period of time, then yes, then I think it does become a lot more possible to have a positive impact and to be able to, you know, use your volunteering for to to be effective with your volunteering and the you know the reality is that that's going to take a a whole bunch of learning too it's going to take a lot of relationship building because as we said like there's no individual volunteer heroes that can come in and and you know save anything it's usually that you're a very small part of a bigger ecosystem that is working towards change and that you can find out where do your skills best fit you know where where is there maybe a capacity gap and then look for that and over time you'll find that you know a niche will open up and where you'll be able to feel like you can really contribute with some of the skills
1: so you brought up a really important point that i was also curious just to sort of hear your thoughts on and I think as you mentioned it the volunteerism as a it's certainly become a hot topic term and I think it's really easy for At least from my experience in organizations I've seen, I think it can be, I suppose, challenging if it's a shorter-term volunteer opportunity to ensure that it's not falling into that volunteerism trap. And while it might have that very rich educational experience for the volunteer, I'm curious if you've seen many organizations that are able to have a really ethically sound and actually beneficial short-term opportunity for a volunteer. Because I know sometimes on a gap year, that's kind of what people have time or maybe money for and capacity for. And so, yes, I'm if you've seen that done well in the shorter term capacity
2: um, yes um, definitely there are ways in which this can be done well in a shorter term capacity and one of the ways that we sort of advise people to make sure that that they're doing something that is that fits into this like good volunteering category is um by kind of redefining what success looks like Because I do think that still, as soon as you say volunteering or service, success looks like having made a concrete output, or, you know, like a, you have achieved x thing, or you have changed x thing. Um, And that actually isn't how we would define good short term volunteering. Um, So I think the the placements and organisations that do this really well really do emphasise enormously the learning and emphasise how, you know, what what how the service placement is actually reciprocal, actually emphasising how much we gain through doing these kind of opportunities and actually like how that can be so much more valuable than um, anything that you are contributing. And then you know have a really sort of strict definition of the kinds of work that, you know, especially younger people and especially people that are there for a shorter time, you know, the kind of work that is appropriate to engage in. So for example, um, if you are, let's say that a project is in a school, having a young person sort of take over a class, we you know especially if they're not you know, educated as a teacher, um, you know, don't have the background in the curriculum and things like that can actually just be really disruptive to the school. But if you have, um, you know, young people coming in as, let's say like conversation language partners that are, that is reinforcing the programme that is made by the, the full-time teacher, then that is something that is contributing to a, a permanent structure or process that is, you know, will continue way longer after the, the volunteers returned home. So I think, you know, basically you're looking for opportunities that have a turn of learning reflection, you know, like a lot of this sort of um, critical reflection as well, a lot of challenging, you know, what are we doing? And is, is this actually the best way in which we're using our time and money? Um, because organisations that welcome that um, generally are the ones that have done the most thought around it and are most open to feedback and learning themselves, um, and then especially taking, you know, what we will call like a do no harm approach to make sure that some of the worst forms of voluntourism are not being practiced that there is a really robust child protection policy because I think one of the biggest pitfalls that we've seen is how children can be exploited through um, you know sort of in some ways hapless volunteers with good intentions that don't realize how they can how they can be abused and yeah so basically like organizations that have done a lot of these this thinking already and you can you can find organizations and placements by asking them some of these questions, you know, like what kind of learning opportunities are there? How are you ensuring that this volunteering is not causing harm? How do these volunteer opportunities fit into the bigger picture of international
1: development? These are all such important pieces. I know this is a theme of the end of this season and really digging into that. And I know the Gap Year Association has had a new set of standards for accreditation recently. There's certainly pieces of that about, as you mentioned, volunteering with vulnerable populations or you know volunteering in a capacity that you are not skilled for, and that should have a skilled trained person in that role, in whatever that may be. I you know I think also those are great guidelines to kind of be aware of if you're looking at volunteer opportunities. But certainly they all play into every single one of the major tenets of this of your book. And so you know I think just all really important things to to think critically about. So with that, I mean again I think we could talk for hours about this topic, and I certainly recommend everyone read the book and check out the website and all these things. But are there any other pieces of this? Claire, that you feel are really important points or topics or things to really pull out of this philosophy and recommendations on your end? I think something that we have touched
2: upon, but that maybe I can make a little bit more explicit, is how there are some pitfalls of international volunteering that can do actual harm. And that's one of the reasons that, you know, myself and my co authors, you know, feel so passionately about this topic is it's not just oh you might like waste your volunteer time painting a fence that's been painted by the last group of volunteers which by the way also does happen But, you know, that isn't the worst form. That's often what people imagine is like, you know, the biggest tragedy might be that you end up doing something that isn't very helpful. But so I I mentioned about child exploitation. I think the the biggest example that we have of how children have been harmed through maybe ill-considered. Volunteering is this idea of orphanage voluntourism, and this has been studied in countries across the world now. That there are really similar patterns in that because there's a demand for people to volunteer with vulnerable children, because it seems like a an easy thing to do, be a fun thing to do, because kids are always fun, and C a, a thing that is needed to be done. Um, that there's a big need for that you know that's then that demand then can be filled by unscrupulous people that are looking to make money so i think yeah like if you think about how voluntourism has created a market and how volunteers are willing to pay quite a lot of money for to sort of get the sort of experience that they want that money can then lead to trial child trafficking as um, people will gather children who almost always have parents. That's one of the myths of orphanages, especially in uh, low-resource countries, is that m- the vast majority of children in orphanages do have living parents. Often keep them in really squalid conditions because that's a way in which that you can increase donations and yeah, use it as a as a business. And you know, the reality is that vulnerable children don't really need strangers that are not trained in things like education or social work to interact with them for short periods of time and in fact that can actually do more damage and create attachment disorders so that was that's just one stark example really of how harm can be done and that is like you know in a way it's sort of like a it's it's i just mention it as a way to sort of say that this is something that's really important you know when you're considering volunteering it's not just yourself and your own travel adventure that you're looking at it's all the other people that are going to be impacted by what you do and so that's really why we say you know like if you're looking at doing these kind of projects, then look at this as a long term investment in your future in the way that you are in the world. Because I guess on the positive side, we have met and spoken to a huge range of volunteers that have been deeply impacted by what they've done in their work overseas and then what they've continued to do and you know i think we we can be empowering to you know young people or the listeners out there that are thinking they want to go on a gap year you know and and we're not saying do not do this or you know we're not saying actually you can't do anything to help um in fact it's it's completely the opposite i think it's we're saying you have a great potential to be able to make an impact on the world And we really want to empower young people, you know, anyone that wants to volunteer to think of it in that way. But just also to realize that the potential that you will have to make a difference, you know, if you're going to do something that is sustainable and that is actually aligned with your values and that actually does create the kind of impact that you'd like to see in the world, that this is, you know, maybe like a, a longer term project and the traveling that you do or the volunteering that you do can fit into this bigger picture. Because, you know, I do have enormous faith in the sort of well-intentioned young person. They're definitely not the, the demon of the story. It's, you know, in fact, that, that is like, they're like the only people that we can have faith in to sort of solve some of these massive issues that we have today. And that, you know, that the book is like, in some ways, a small part of how we can sort of get closer to doing that rather than sort of be fooled by, you know, marketing that's, that's clever or things that seem easier, be able to achieve by saying like no actually this you know the world is a complex place these issues have not been solved for a a reason and that's because you know they're difficult and involve a a lot of stakeholders but you know you are definitely one of them and so you know rather than discouraging people from getting involved we want to kind of mindfully humbly and with lots of self-reflection encourage people to um devote themselves to some of these bigger issues that we have going on in the world today
1: I love that, it's very eloquently put and certainly this is meant to be, you know, this episode is meant to be a tool for students and to as you said sort of minimize any negative impacts and understand what to look out for and you know I think that the learning service book is such a great tool to educate ourselves oneself as a potential volunteer to understand what to look out for and how to maximize that positive impact but could not agree with you more that this is beneficial and certainly for the younger generation I mean those are going to be the future change makers and to the more that they can learn about the world and and these issues around development and just the you know connectedness of our world really I think can help them be the best global citizens possible. So any final thoughts before we sign off? I mean, gosh, that was just such a great rounding out.
2: I, yes. As you probably know, I can speak for the length of a book on this topic. But if, if people are just interested in, you know, more details of that, I really do uh, encourage people to check out the book to get in contact with us. Also, we're like very approachable. And we often sort of give people advice. And then we also have loads of loads of other resources as well on our website, you know, like videos and toolkits and uh, our blog with loads of firsthand stories and things like that. So yeah, just check all of those things out.
1: Absolutely, and I'm super excited. So we just got so excited about this topic that we are actually going to make this into a two-part episode. So really excited to, coming up, have a couple of Claire's students from the Princeton Bridge Year program who are going to be joining us to chat a little bit more about this from the student perspective of things, which I'm super excited to dig into. And we will link all of the contact information for Claire and the folks at Learning Service on the webpage as well as the show notes for this episode. But you can find them on Instagram at learning.service, as well as on their website which is learningservice.info. And then as always, you can find us here at Gap Year Radio on Instagram and Facebook at Gap Year Radio or online at gapyearradiopodcast.com. You can email us your Gap Year questions or comments at radio at gmail.com. And lastly, you can download our show wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you do have a moment, we'd love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts so that more people can discover Gap Year Radio. But otherwise, Claire, thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoy all of the festivities in Nepal today on this holiday oh yeah that's right
2: it's um it's Dasein today Dasein Tika day so happy Vijaya me for anyone else that is celebrating
1: wonderful <laughs> thanks again <laughs> <laughs>